last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here. It's time to turn to the movies. Roe McDermott, movies editor of Hot Press is with us and I will be asking you about the Barbie snobs in the Oscars a little bit later. But I want to start by looking to the new movies available. And of course, there's an enormous amount of attention being paid here in Ireland to all of us strangers because of the two Irishmen who are central to the movie, Andrew Scott and Paul Meskell. Let's hear a clip from it in which Harry shows up at Adam's door. Harry played by Paul Meskell, Adam called by Andrew Scott. Drink. It's Japanese. It's meant to be the best in the world, but I, I couldn't tell you why, so... No, thanks. Okay, um... Okay, how about I come in anyway? If not for a drink, then... For whatever else you might want. Um... I think that's a good idea. <laughs> Don't scare you. No? We don't have to do anything if I'm not your type. What's it all about? Uh, I was very excited about this film, not just because of Andrew Scott and Paul Meskell, who are obviously glorious, but because the writer-director, Andrew Haig, is a beautiful director. If people haven't seen his work, they should seek out Weekend in particular, which was another gorgeous, intimate story about two men who spend two days together. He just has such emotional authenticity to his work. He's really good at exploring the complex dynamics of relationships. And this film starts with Adam, played by Andrew Scott, who's kind of pottering around in an apartment in a building that seems to be mostly empty. There's almost a sci-fi dystopian quality because he's all on his own. He's trying to write a screenplay but he's procrastinating a lot and then as we hear in this scene, his very handsome neighbour comes to his door drunkenly and he turns away this advance. But he's trying to write about his parents and so he travels back to the suburb where he grows up and goes to his childhood home and here is where the kind of magical realism, supernatural quality of the film kicks in because he essentially goes into the house and meets his parents who died when he was 12 but he meets them and they're the age they were when they died which is kind of the age he is now and he meets them as individuals individuals and he has this beautiful night with them they enjoy each other's company, he goes back and he reaches out to his neighbour Harry and it's like something has opened up within him his walls have come down a bit, he wants this connection but over the course of the movie he travels back and has several interactions with his parents and comes out to them essentially as the way he didn't get to when he was a boy and it's so about loss, it's about grief but it's about this idea of if you lost your parents young, what would you want them to know about you now? Claire Foy and Jamie Bell play his parents and they're so beautiful in this performance. Andrew Scott has to essentially come out to his mother who grew up in the 80s and they have this conversation that is beautiful and stunning and heartbreaking where she is in a very loving way doing what a lot of parents do and un- unwittingly perpetuating a lot of the homophobia that she grew up with. So he says he's gay and she starts talking about well what about this horrible disease that's going around and I hear it's a very lonely life. I'm parroting all these narratives that were so prevalent in the 80s and you can see Andrew Scott whose performance is sublime constantly veering between I I am an adult having a conversation with another adult and I am a child whose parent is hurting me even though I love them so much and I have missed them. So these conversations are happening and then Andrew and uh, Andrew Scott and Paul Meskell's relationship is developing and it's sexy and it's tender but they're also having conversations about their experiences of gay men who one of whom is a little bit younger and how they've grown up with these narratives. 
the supernatural quality, it's kind of beautiful. We don't get too much into it. But Andrew Scott's performance in this is so sublime. He's so emotional in it. He just brings this quality of a hurt child, but also an adult navigating loneliness, loss. There's constantly the light in this movie is exceptional. It's also really interesting the way they play with style because Andrew Scott is wearing kind of the 80s fashion that is in style now, but it's the same that his dad is wearing. So there's this constant playing with the idea of time and connection. So beautiful. Okay, that's a very strong recommendation. Are we going to get a strong recommendation for the colour purple? I, I, I not as strong, but strong recommendation because I think so. People will so know. So this is a remake of a kind, doesn't it? Yes, because it's based, of course, on Alice Walker's novel, which came out in 1983. Steven Spielberg did his Oscar-nominated film, and then it was turned into a Broadway musical in 2005. If people aren't aware, this is a musical. I'm really sick. So of, this is a bit like Mean Girls. The new Mean Girls is a musical. They're hiding the fact that it's a musical, but this is the story of Celie, who's portrayed by people who know her from American Idol, Fantasia Barino, who grows up with her sister Nettie. They have an abusive father. Celia is impregnated by the man she thinks is in her father who gives her children away. And then he basically sells her off to Mr. Uh, uh, who is abusive and she's forced to marry with him and she is separated from her beloved sister Nettie who is really her heart and soul. And so she grows up in this incredibly difficult upbringing. But then two women come into her life. One is her daughter-in-law who is played by Danielle Brooks who people would know from Orange is the New Black who is spunky and fiery and refuses to be uh, oppressed and mistreated. And then her husband's mistress, Shug, played by Taraji P. Henson. And Shug is sexy and troubled and she's a performer and a diva. And so these two women come to play these really big roles in Celie's life and bring some hope back to her. Um, the music in this is really wonderful. The choreography is glorious. These are the Broadway songs and they're really inspiring, really uplifting. And they're so necessary because the film has so much darkness that they really break it up and bring a lot of energy to it. Let's hear a clip from The Colour Purple which features the song Mysterious Ways. Let's get a move on. Celia? Slow as mud. She's going as fast as she can, Pop. She say the baby been kicking. What you gonna call your baby, child? If it's a boy, I'm gonna name him Adam, like in the Bible. Ain't that precious? Daddy, Tina, get up here. Yes, yes Pop. Okay, that's from The Colour Purple. And then there's a new Jodie Comer movie, The End We Start From, which is based on a recent novel, like an climate change novel. Yeah, and this is adapted by Alice Birch, who people might know from Lady Macbeth and The Wonder. So people who've seen her films know that she's very focused on women-led stories. And this is essentially a dystopian sci-fi, but it's intimate and woman-led. It starts with Jodie Comer in a bath, about to give birth. And as the water in the bathtub is rising, there's also a torrential rain uh, happening outside in London that is slowly flooding her flat so within days of giving birth her and her husband Joel Fry have to go to his parents house to escape this and we see that this is going to be a monumental uh, environmental event and how people are panicking. Jodie Comer then gets separated from her husband and has to take her newborn baby and try to survive through this landscape. This is a low budget movie so it keeps the action very intimate you're not getting these huge CGI visuals it's really focused on the steps ahead but Jodie Comer is so beautiful in this bringing this determination 
dedication or resilience to a woman who really should not be put in this position, should not be alone, but is so determined to survive and to keep her newborn baby safe. Um, and the people she meets along the way, it's really interesting on the dynamics of motherhood and social support. And I think particularly coming out of the pandemic, there was this narrative of we're all this together, right? And there were moments where that was true. And then there was people going back into moments of selfishness. And the director here plays with that dynamic so beautifully. People say to Jodie Cormer's character, who's only known as woman or mother, uh, of course we will keep you safe. Of course you have a baby. You are vulnerable. We will protect you. But then when things get dangerous, when situations get dangerous, the selfishness and survival instinct of other people kicks in. So we see Jodie Comer's character have to make these really difficult decisions. She meets people like Catherine Waterston, who also plays a mother and finds these moments of allyship and support. She meets Benedict Cumberbatch for a moment where they get to let loose. But it's really about the human dynamics that play out. There's a biblical allegory. It's about environmentalism, but so beautifully performed. It's quite slight, pacing lags a little bit, but a gorgeous performance from Jodie Comer. Okay, let's talk about Barbie and the Oscars. People are so mad. <laughs> Why? Did Margot Robbie, for example, really deserve to be on the list of best actresses? Was hers one of the best five performances of the year? I'm going to say I enjoyed Barbie. I went, there was no press screening. I went to see it with a friend. I laughed a lot. I came out. I said, that was really good fun. Let's not discuss it because it's going to fall apart very quickly. I didn't think it was amazing. I thought it was really good fun. I think Margot Robbie, as a producer, absolutely well-deserved nomination for best film because I think bringing that film to like Greta Gerwig, writing the story, creating something new, unusual. The set design, the production design, the fact that it became the most successful film of the year, all deserve a Best Film nomination. As people know, just because it's the best, most successful at the box office, does that mean it should get nominated for the best movie? No, absolutely. I've heard people talk about Saltburn more than any other film this year, and that isn't nominated. Um, But I think production design-wise, the imagination it took, the fun it took, I think it absolutely deserves Best Film nomination. Margot Robbie's role, and this is in the writing, was more of a, in terms of comedy, a straight woman role. And Ryan Gosling's role as Ken was more funny, more outlandish, more original. Um, So I'm not mad that Margot Robbie didn't get a nomination. However, Greta Gerwig not being nominated when she had to come up with a production design, the vision, she wrote it. That, bringing that vision to life, I think that does feel like an incredible snub. So Margot Robbie is getting nominated as producer. Um, I'm not mad. I'm actually quite surprised that America Ferreira got a nomination for Best Supporting Actress. She had a very good monologue in the film. I think, however... What's going to work for them is that people are so angry at the lack of nominations. Yeah. And I think when it comes to voting, the Academy actually might reward... Oh, wait, yeah. who makes the nominations? Who does the nominations? There's a, The Academy do, uh, but there's a select number, and then all of but the sure, members of the Academy Surely that's gender-balanced as well, isn't it? So... Well, it should be. I think it's also, you know, the way they've changed the Academy nominations over the past few years is is odd in that there are 10 films nominated, but only five directors. And I mean, I think that balance of how do you acknowledge that a film is incredible without acknowledging the director, I think that becomes a problem. And that is where female directors are often snubbed, that their work isn't noticed. Who would you have left out of the nominator for Best Director list to accommodate her? Well, that's the thing. Why why would we only have five nominations? Um, and I think the nominations felt a little bit predictable and I think Celine Song was also incredible it didn't get enough nominations and I think this happens a lot Sarah Polly for example last year uh, Women Talking was nominated but she wasn't acknowledged as a director and when you think of conversations about gender and directing it has been proven in reviews in, conver- in uh, critical responses to films if a woman directs a film she is mentioned far less than male directors so it's this lack of acknowledgement of the work of female directors that I think is really important 
to acknowledge, rather than Margot Robbie not getting nominated for quite a, a, a not particularly unique performance in a film that had bigger roles to play. So I think that's the bigger conversation. Roe McDermott, Movies Editor of Hot Press, as ever, thank you for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.